Thank you everyone for joining us today. I'm Chelsea Bird, ISACA Speaker Management Specialist. I'm here with Todd Fitzgerald. He is a cybersecurity leadership author and advisor and the CISO for CISO Spotlight LLC. Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here, Chelsea. Thank you. So let me introduce you to our audience. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your background, where you come from, your educational path, and what you do now professionally? Sure. Uh, I've been a, uh, a CISO for uh, many, many years, uh, actually a, a couple decades. And now I help other CISOs to collaborate through education, through writing books, through doing presentations. My educational background, uh, I went to school. I started a community college uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. Then I went to the University of uh, Wisconsin-Madison for a while. Uh, and then I transferred to University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, where I graduated. And then I also have an MBA from Oklahoma State University. Oh, wow. Excellent. So you spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. Yes. Are you from Wisconsin? I am. Okay. Very <laughs> nice. So obviously, as kids, we always had a different idea of what we wanted to do when we grew up. What did you want to be when you grew up? You know, it's a very interesting question because I'm not sure that I ever really knew growing up. I know that when I was a kid in elementary school, uh, we formed this club. There were three of us, uh, and it was called the FBI Club. And we would go down behind the elementary school in the woods and hunt for fake criminals. When I was in the third grade, my parents bought me a typewriter. Uh, may seem like a weird uh, gift for a kid, but I loved to play on my dad's. He had one of those electric typewriters where you just touch the key and it, and it typed. Well, they, they bought me one of these old black typewriters that you see everywhere. And I used to type up stories, and they were fake stories uh, of, of the FBI club. It turns out, as we wind forward, that one of my friends... Uh, that I've known, you know, my, my whole life. Uh, he has been a police officer uh, for the last four decades. Uh, and I have been uh, in the security space for the last couple decades. And I also write books. <laughs> <laughs> so I always tell people, look at what your kids are doing and what, what's attracting them when they're younger. Just to prove I was a normal kid, though, I did get a train set and a camera <laughs> that year as well. Wow. So the typewriter writing stories. Now, I, I take it the FBI really was like your own FBI looking for bad guys and that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And did any of those stories, did you ever read any of those to your friends or perform any of those stories? No, we 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 did it, you know, inside our club. Okay. And, and when I was cleaning out my parents' basement several years back, I was looking for those stories yeah. and I couldn't find them because oh. I thought that would be really fun. Yeah, that would be fun to see now. Yeah. But oh. all right. So with your educational background, you had an abundance of opportunities. How did you get started in the industry? Well, it was really by accident, uh, and, and I say this in the, the CISO Compass book uh, that, that I last wrote, that I started out college as a mathematics major, uh, and then I got the calculus and decided, I don't think so, and then I became an accounting major, uh, and then I got to tax accounting, and I thought, I, I don't want to do this all day. And so then I was a business administration major, 
Uh, and then my first job out of college was a computer programmer. And I always wondered, why is it that, you know, what led me down that path? And each one of those disciplines, there's a common thread between them. They're all very analytical. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had that stream through there. Uh, and then I was a computer programmer for a couple of years and decided I really didn't want to do that. So then I, I had an opportunity to become a, a database administrator. Mm. Uh, I did that for a few years and, and I decided I was never going to be the best DBA. And so I thought, well, I'll lead DBAs. Uh -huh. And so that's when I moved into management with American Airlines. I had a team of between 25 to 45 DBAs and data modelers. And did that for the first half of my career, and then and then moved into the, the security side. Very interesting. I didn't realize you worked at, in an airline. That must have been mm -hmm. uh, a kind of a fun job. Any anything interesting there that happened that you can share with us? Or yeah, it's interesting when you work for an airline. The uh, people's lives, especially when you're in your twenties uh, and, and you're starting there, because there's so many people that do different things with the airline because we could fly pretty much for free oh, wow. uh, anywhere we want to. Yeah. In those days, you'd, you'd write your own airline ticket and show up at the airport uh, and hope to get on standby. And I, I knew one person who his goal uh, on my team was to, to get to every major baseball team in every city. Oh. <laughs> uh, I had another guy who went to Maui five times in one year because he'd leave on a Thursday and come back on a Tuesday. <laughs> and wow. because you know, this was out of Dallas, Texas, it was a very fun time yeah. uh, to work for an airline. Okay, well, this is a question just for me. Where was the best place you got to fly when you worked at the airline? Well, I had kids back in those days, <laughs> and so so the great destinations like Hawaii and things like that were were kind of were kind of off the books. I've been to San Francisco probably more than any other city. I, really? I was doing some work with Oracle uh, back in the time. And, and I know before we, we moved to Philadelphia uh, area, I asked my family, you know, where, where do you want to go? And they said, San Francisco. <laughs> went, oh, great. <laughs> but uh, but that, it's a, that's a great city. I've never been, but I'd like to check it out. Mm -hmm. um, so... Next question for you is, what has been the most significant turning point in your career? I would have to say moving into the security space. Mm -hmm. And and again, you know, I, I look at things that things happen by accident in your career. I was managing DBAs at the time, and I had applied for a job that was leading uh, business intelligence, DBA area, and security. And they said, do you know anything about security? And I said, well, I guess so. Uh, I mean, working with databases for many years, mm -hmm. you know, some things. And it was interesting because my team thought, well, he's just going to ignore us on the security side because his background is DBA. And, and the opposite happened is, is I ended up moving into the security space and I, I never looked back. And, and that was about 25 years ago. Interesting. 25 years ago. Who has been the most important professional mentor or role model? Well, I think I've had many, and I, I look back into childhood, actually, and, and my first job was at a grocery store. I became the manager of that store when I was 17, 18 years old. It was a small family business, and so I had those 
those opportunities. And I think that's where the, the seed was, was really planted. But I've also had the opportunity to work for a lot of different great people. And probably most recently, I think, um, if I look at Grant Thornton, I worked with a, a person named Rob McGillan, and he was the CIO. And uh, his way of just bringing teams together inside and outside of work, I, I think was, you know, was very impactful uh, to me. And to this day, even though we don't work together anymore, we still get together oh, that's great. Uh, on a frequent basis. That's awesome. Yeah. It's nice to hear that you still keep in touch with him because yeah. especially if he was such a big impact on your career and your life. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. What do you feel is a common myth or something people misunderstand about your profession? Well, I think it's the, the image of the uh, cyber attacker that, you know, the person in the hoodie, that's, you know, that's the, the, the you know, what this profession looks like. And mm -hmm. I think it's, you know, it's too bad because we want to attract everybody into this field. Mm -hmm. We need more women in this field. We need diversity. We need inclusion. We need all kinds of people. And, and the jobs aren't like that. And there's so many different opportunities and places for people to go. We have an image problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and also some people think it's highly technical. And there are some jobs that are not really highly technical but need that understanding of business or, you know, the ability to organize and manage things, such as in your governance risk compliance mm -hmm. and, and, and being able to, you know, follow through and have all those skill sets. So it's much more than just the, the technical side of things. Yeah, I, I agree. I think we need to, to get more people, more diverse people into the space and especially younger people. Um, so I would be interested mm -hmm. in hearing if you have any thoughts on how to get people, you know, more interested and, and brought into the space from a younger generation. So you are a very busy person. In fact, if you are not hosting your own podcast, you're off at a national or international conference presenting mm -hmm. or writing a book. Mm -hmm. uh, can you share your favorite productivity hack that helps keep you on top of your busy schedule? Well, it's very interesting. I, I have a very simple technique, and it, it has to do with calendars. Mm -hmm. uh, you're usually managing different calendars. Uh, I, I contract to the Cybersecurity Collaborative as their VP of Cybersecurity Strategy, so I have a calendar for that. I have my business calendar on CISO Spotlight. I teach for Northwestern University, so there's another uh, calendar. Uh, so all these meetings and everything get on the calendars, and then you have your personal life on top of that. Yeah. And what I find really helps me is I have a Google calendar, and I just put blocks of, of the big events in the Google calendar on my personal life and the business life. And I use different color schemes for whether it's it's an event, you know, the, those are in purple. If mm -hmm. I'm traveling, those are in yellow. If they're an event with some of my friends, the, you know, those may be in green or something. Mm -hmm. And when there's Isaka deliverables due, those are in red on the day, <laughs> <laughs> on the calendar. So due dates, things, things that are like at a high level, mm -hmm. I put those in there and it's great because then I, I, whenever I need to plan something, I only look at the Google calendar 
and that that tells me when to do things. The other thing that I do as well is is when we're planning things like the podcast, mm -hmm. instead of saying, hey, when can you record a podcast? I usually block those and pick out certain days where I'm going to do a lot of recordings in one day. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that helps to bunch up the, the time and keep you focused on a certain task. Great, I think I'm gonna check out Google calendars. Like yeah, that. I think they're great. Yeah. Um, so what is one piece of advice that you could share with this next generation of up and coming cybersecurity leaders to help them prepare for the future in this industry? I think one thing that I've learned in, in my career is that you want to be uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> now that may not that may sound different from what you think. Everybody wants to feel confident, mm -hmm. and you know, people talk of things like the imposter syndrome and things like that. Mm -hmm. But what I've found is that I and I think this started when I moved into a management role many many years ago, and I realized I was never going to be as good technically as a person who's doing that every single day but I needed to know enough about the technology so that I could converse with people and mm -hmm. understand what was happening. So I still spend time doing that, but always when you know that you're uncomfortable, that means that you're growing. And so when you get comfortable at something, well then you know how to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So then move on to something else that makes you uncomfortable and embrace that. Don't, don't be afraid of that. Great advice. I like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't like being uncomfortable, but I definitely <laughs> like that uh, sentiment. So uh, you have been working with ISACA for quite a while, and uh, I want to know how long exactly have you been working with ISACA, and how did you first get involved with ISACA? I think it's been about two decades now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I it's a good question. How did I first get involved with ISACA? I think I went to a conference. Okay. And I saw other people speaking. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I know about that. And, and I should be speaking on that. And so I've been speaking, I think, at almost every ISACA mm -hmm. conference for North America and many in, in Europe for over those two decades. And I've enjoyed that, and I've gotten involved in ISACA and some of the work groups. I helped with the COVID-5 for information security. Mm -hmm. I was involved in, the, in developing the CSX fundamentals, mm -hmm. uh, some of the workshops for that. I reviewed some of the, the test questions. I also teach the CISM and the CISA certifications. So I've, I've been involved with ISACA a lot over the years. I think it's a great organization, and I think the content's great, the networking is great, uh, and I just enjoy doing the, the presentations and, and sharing information. Well, you always rate as one of our top-rated speakers, so we love having you speak, and I know you have some fun things that you do in your sessions sometimes. <laughs> I have seen some photos uh, of you with different... I don't know if you want to share some of that with our <laughs> podcast uh, uh, audience. Some of the things that you like to do in your sessions. 
for me, presentations, uh, you know, we all go to presentations. And when I'm not giving a presentation, I'm sitting in a seat in another presentation. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's very important. I think you can always learn something from, from a presentation. Uh, whether it's an affirmation is something that you already know, if it's or, or new information, or you know, just some different ideas. I think it's I, I think it's very informative. I've always felt that presentations should be entertaining, mm-hmm. and I think they should be informative. It can't just be entertaining mm-hmm. because people aren't paying to come to just see entertainment. They can go and see that somewhere else. So I try to mix in fun things. There's all kinds of different outfits. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've been I've been Darth Vader, <laughs> I've been pirates, I've been criminals, I've been you know, all sorts of things. You may come to my session and you, you may have a megaphone uh, that's that's blaring <laughs> at you. And and it's fun for me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this comes from uh, something I should share with you is that I, I was in drama when I was younger, and from seventh grade through high school, I was in almost every uh, spring and fall play. So <laughs> that explains a little bit about that. <laughs> I think that may be where some of that comes from, mm-hmm. and it and it makes it, and it makes it fun. Mm-hmm. And I want people to go away remembering something. I still have people. Uh, talk about the Darth Vader session that I gave, <laughs> and that was uh, over a decade ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so it does, it definitely leaves that plant in their brain to remember what you talked about. I like that. And you're one of the, I think, only speakers that really educates and entertains in that way. So it's very, uh, it's very cool to see. What is your best suggestion for making this industry better? And how can the upcoming generations make these changes? I think we have to, you know, I think it's cliche to say to, to, to go back to basics. Mm-hmm. But I think people really need to, to understand two things. One, the, the basics of security. What are those that are, what are those things that if you're not doing as a company and you were breached, would be really embarrassing? And you can't say that this is an advanced threat that, that penetrated your systems because those are the things that we, we must do. Those are table stakes. And I would say the other thing is, you know, keeping track of what the newer technologies are and also those soft skills. Um, develop those soft skills. Uh, those are going to be more important later on in your career uh, and probably earlier on in your career just as well uh, and just as important as the technical skills are. And so I, I think that's why I spend a lot of time trying to help educate in that area. It's not just all about the technology. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. How do you think ISACA can help the next generation of industry leaders? And how would you recommend for them to get more involved? I think ISACA has some excellent materials, as I said earlier. They embody what needs to be done for security, for audit, for compliance, and making sure that we're doing the right things. I think people can get involved with ISACA. Go to the conferences. I, I, I think, you know, I, I, I always tell people this is 
you need to get out of the office because you need to see what's going on in the outside world. And maybe your head's down, maybe you're working really hard in, in your office. Going to a conference doesn't mean that you're you're taking a vacation for a week. <laughs> People are interacting at the conference and they're sharing ideas. And I, I, th- I think that's that's so vitally important. Uh, one of the secrets of a, of a presenter is that when we prepare for presentations, we spend an enormous amount of time on those presentations, on those slides that you see. And as a result of that, we are learning at the same time to deliver those presentations. It, it may be reaching out and saying, you know, well, you know, I, I probably should have a, a study or some facts or something to back that up. And so you're researching and you're finding out and then you learn new things and you learn new ways of looking at things. So I, I think get involved and then speak, put in a proposal, speak at a conference or get involved in, in, a, in a work group. You know, they're always looking for, for volunteers and do what feels uncomfortable uh, to you uh, to get engaged in, and that's how you're going to grow. Excellent. Thank you. Um, Industry leaders must stay on top of all current trends, news, and information. How do you stay on top of what's coming next? How do you self-educate and continue to learn, keep on top of things within your role? One of the things that we do with the the Cybersecurity Collaborative, and I know there's other organizations that do a similar thing, is we have have something that comes out every day called the Morning Security Report. Hmm. And I go through that, and you may have seen my posts on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm always posting a a relevant news story from that day. Hmm. And I think it's important to know what's happening, what breaches are important. Uh, You don't want to be that person that is working in the security space and your boss comes to you and says, hey, you know, what's this thing with the colonial pipeline? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you don't have a, have a grasp on, on what's happening there or it's a surprise to you. Mm-hmm. So you want to be on top of that. So, so you need to have some news source, whatever it is, that you're looking at every morning to see what's, to see what's current. And then, you know, participating in, in conferences, like I said, mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like a broken record <laughs> here, but I think it's so vitally important to do that. And then I, I also, I write uh, mm-hmm. and I speak. And in, in the podcasts, uh, I love doing the podcast because I get to talk to a lot of different people and gain a lot of different perspectives of people that are working in the, this industry. I would also say get out to any networking events. There's always going to be some local networking event with whatever organization, you know, hopefully ISACA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, get engaged in those and go to the monthly meeting. Spend take two hours a year month and go to the go to the meeting. Network with other people. And that's a way that you can learn what's going on in the industry. Yes, that's great. We uh, we have local chapters with ISACA. I think maybe that could be a place for someone to get networking in their area if they have a, a local chapter. So yeah, and that's also a great place if somebody you know wants to improve their speaking skills. Mm-hmm. For example, do it in a local chapter. You know, do it with your peers, and then and then ask for constructive advice afterwards and mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, what am I doing well? What 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 should I improve on? Mm-hmm. And 
you know, then you've got a limited audience uh, that you can learn from and then and then go and, and present at larger conferences. Great feedback there. So we know you have quite the resume. And one thing that I want to chat about is your number one best-selling book, CISO Compass, Navigating Cybersecurity Leadership Challenges with Insights from Pioneers. How did you get the inspiration to write this book? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, I had been under contract to write this book uh, a couple years before I actually put a pen to paper. <laughs> uh, I had a day job. <laughs> and the day job just, just made it really difficult to do that. It's, it's a lot of work to write a book. Every time I would see some sort of security leadership book come out, I would buy it. Mm -hmm. And I would look at it. And I would flip through it and I'd say, oh, somebody else wrote the book that I, I was wanting to write. And within five minutes, I'd look through the book and I'd say, well, that's a good book for them, but that's not what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, maybe I should just not write this thing. And, and it, but it wouldn't go away. It was like this voice in my head that kept saying, we need you to write this book. And so I wanted something that was a roadmap for chief security officers. And this is to help this next generation, but not just, I wanted something that wasn't just for the next generation, but current chief security officers, mm -hmm. experienced chief security officers. What could I write that, that would be beneficial to everybody? And something that didn't describe Todd Fitzgerald's journey uh, into being a CISO, mm -hmm. which I think a lot of the books I saw were of that of that type, mm -hmm. but but something that was a a roadmap and a way to look at the job of the chief information security officer and what they needed to do. And then I thought, well, it needs to not just be my opinion. So I invited seventy five other chief security officers and industry leaders into this book uh, from my network. And these are some of the top CISOs uh, in the country. If I could go down a list for you, uh, industry leaders that have led a lot of the organizations that we're talking about. And, and I had them write a gray box in, into, in the book. And so we infused that and, and since then, we've taken CISO stories and we've done these 20, 25-minute podcasts doing a deep dive on what they wrote in the book. And that's how the CISO stories podcast oh. actually started. And now we've expanded that into other CISOs. But I wanted this book to be something that would be that sort of roadmap mm -hmm. um, for the job of the CISO because I hadn't seen anything out there to that date and it's really resonated well. It was the best-selling book at RSA. It's been the best-selling book uh, for my publisher for each of the last three years. Wow. Uh, so I, I, my goal is to get on every CISO's desk. So incredible. Um, that's my hope. Well, and I understand that this book was also selected for the 2020 Canon Cybersecurity Hall of Fame. And how did that make you feel? Made me feel very good. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it was nice to get nominated mm -hmm. for that, but it was even more uh, uh, fun to uh, be a winner of that award. 
and I know they did it. They were going to do a big ceremony in Washington, D.C., a mm -hmm. black tie event and everything. And then COVID happened. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we didn't do that. Mm -hmm. But it's a nice honor. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, I'm grateful to all the other people that contributed to this work that's making a difference in the industry. Well, congratulations on that honor. And um, do you have any more books in the works right now? Well, I uh, have a few more uh, ideas that uh, I'm swirling around with mm -hmm. and uh, uh, thinking about. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention with the, the CISO Compass book is that I was looking for a way to how do we know that the CISO and the organization is doing a good job around security and that they're doing all the right things. Mm -hmm. And we have control frameworks out there, but those are mainly centered around controls and not necessarily around the business of leading security. And so I went back in time and, and I thought, well, we could come up with Todd Fitzgerald's uh, uh, management model, right? And I thought, well, I don't really wanna do that. And so innovation is really taking things that already exist and sticking them together in different ways. And so I looked at the McKinsey 7S model which is actually about 40 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tom Peters, who is a, a management guru, uh, developed this model because he was working for McKinsey at the time. And McKinsey consultants were going out and they were saying, well, you know, if you get the structure of your organization right, you'll get your strategy right. And these guys said, no, there's more to it than that. Mm -hmm. There's, and so they came up with the 7S model, which essentially says that to, to meet the strategy of your organization and to be effective, you need to have structure in place, style, which is how you relate to your management, mm -hmm. systems, which are the uh, processes and routines that you use, not necessarily IT, but how do you get your job done? Staff, how do you reward your staff? Uh, how do you manage your staff? Skills, what skills do you have in the organization? Uh, and shared values, which is the cultural glue that brings the organization together. And so I took that model and I mapped all the cybersecurity activities that we do into that because don't we want to be effective in our jobs? Mm -hmm. And so it's the combination of that and that's how the CISO Compass book is structured is around the business of information security related to this model, a time-tested model. So just as Apple was not the first person to create MP3 players, but they combined things in a slick design way that was portable, uh, that people want to use. And so they had the iPod, now we all just, we don't have those anymore. We have the you know, iPhones mm -hmm. and so forth. So that was a way of looking at that. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a lens that I look at cybersecurity through is a good way to manage that. Yeah, I like that. So I understand you have your own podcast, which we talked about, called CISO Stories and takes a deep dive into security leadership. What made you want to start this podcast? I felt like I wanted to bring the, the words on the paper to life mm -hmm. and to have it in, in not my voice, but in the voice of the CISO, in, in the voice of the person who had that perspective. And I thought, wouldn't, wouldn't that be great to have, to, to, to be able to listen to it when, when, you're, when you're working out or you're on your way to work, you know, whatever you're doing um, in a short 20, 25 minute, maybe 30 minutes tops mm -hmm. podcast. 
that's that would be consumable on a different topic. I just love doing it because I'm talking all kinds of different CISOs on all sorts of different topics in this industry. And it's not just for CISOs, it's something that everybody in security can learn from. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's just a lot of fun. And where can we listen to your podcast? Where can we find it? Uh, it's on securityweekly.com mm -hmm. uh, is where it's hosted right now by SC Media. I think that will be moving to their SC Media portal uh, in the future. Okay. But it's also, uh, you can subscribe to it on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Twitch, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it's pushed out to all the platforms on a weekly basis. Every Tuesday morning, we publish a new episode and we're on our way to 100 episodes at wow. this point. You said you have 80 so far in, yep. the, in the books. That's great. So lots of backlog we can go to and listen. Yeah, yeah. It, the ones that are out there uh, have shared great insights from leadership to, you know, we've had some some major breaches that people have talked about mm -hmm. uh, and given the inside information on that. If you're a CISO looking for a, a job, we've talked to some uh, top recruiters uh, and we've talked to top CISOs uh, around the different issues that they have. And a lot of people that have created some of the standards uh, that we're living with today. Well, I can't wait to listen to that podcast. I'm going to definitely uh, subscribe. So you'll see an extra subscriber Great. on there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are an excellent public speaker. Uh, and it sounds like maybe you're your drama class was uh, part of the reason. <laughs> what do you accredit this talented skill to? Wow, uh, <laughs> I never, never thought of it that way. I think I just, I, I love sharing the information with people and I love to make them laugh. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the combination of those things that uh, we should be having fun. Uh, you know, we should be uh, having fun in our careers, even though it's a very uh, serious topic. I remember when I was doing security awareness training classes for a company several years back. And, uh, you know, when you think about your security awareness training, I was like, oh boy, I have to go to security awareness training mm -hmm. or privacy training or compliance training. And nobody wants to go to those things. Mm -hmm. And so we did some fun routines, uh, you know, one year, the next year we had these, the, had these sign-up sheets. We did them face-to-face -face around the offices and we would have 25 people in a, in a session. When those sign-up sheets came out, they were filled in the, the first morning that we put the sign-up sheets out <laughs> in the offices. And we had some people that were writing below the line of 25 <laughs> to get into the earlier sessions. Uh, we knew that. And mm -hmm. so we planned for 30. We mm -hmm. just only put 25 <laughs> sign-ups in there. But it was so gratifying mm -hmm. to, to, you know, to, to see that. And some things can be very simple. Uh, we acted out, uh, for example, we played uh, these music videos and, and then we would act out and then they had to guess what, what was the security message that we were talking about. 
you know, we play a song uh, from Eminem, for example, that was, you know, Slim Shady, mm -hmm. right? Well, a real Slim Shady, please stand up. And we would rap to it, right? <laughs> so I, I, I'm a very bad rapper, but I tried. <laughs> and so, and we would rap to it. And then, and then they would have to guess, what is it? And, and some people, you know, would, would guess the identity theft, right? Well, the real Slim Shady, please okay. stand up. And so, and so, but that plants a, a thing in their head that, mm -hmm. that, that then people remember, and we had a great time doing it. So I, I, I think that's, you know, that, that makes things fun. Yeah, that is, I love using music. I feel like music really helps, at least me, remember certain things. I can remember song lyrics sometimes that are just so old, but I'm like, I, it must have something to do with the music. So I like that you yeah. use that. Mm -hmm. So, okay, if in 150 years, sciences fail to save us, and all that's left is a book about your life, what would the title be? <laughs> You're in trouble. Run. <laughs> so. oh, I like that. All right, Todd. So we could probably talk a lot about this all day, but uh, that's all the time we have left for today. Thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with me. And if you want to learn more about Todd and his work, please click on the link in the description below. I'm Chelsea Bird. Thank you so much for tuning in.